your experience with Jesus. I don't know your experience with church. I don't know your experience with scripture. I don't, uh, I don't know all the questions that you come into this place, but I just want you to know that you're so welcome here. No matter where you come, this is a, a place that is, is safe and, and welcome to you. I want to just kind of give you two pictures as we jump in this morning. Um, Friday afternoon, I went to my brother-in-law. He's here. He owns a CrossFit gym. You can pay me later for free advertisement. And uh, I went to the CrossFit gym, and, and you walk in. And I don't know if you've ever been to a, a gym like this before. You walk in, and every guy and girl there has bigger muscles in their arms than I do in my whole body. And, and, and I kind of walked in, and immediately I'm feeling, like, intimidated, like, oh, I don't, I don't belong in this place. Like, and I say that because I know so often it is so easy to walk into this place, come into a church, um, and to feel like you don't belong. And it is easy just to assume things about the people sitting beside you, that, that they have all the answers, that they know everything, and it's just not the case. And I will speak for the believers, I'll speak for me, I'll speak for some of the believers that I know in the room, Andrew and Nana, that... Um, that we come here not as people who have all the answers, who have it all figured out. We come here because we love Jesus. And the scriptures say, he who has been forgiven of much loves much. And we come here not as people who have it all figured out, who have all the answers. We come here because we love him very much. And we want you to know that no matter where you are in your journey, you're welcome here. We believe that this is for everyone, that God is for everyone, that God loves everyone. And I hope that if there are any feelings of inadequacy or that you don't belong, that those lies would just leave right now, but you would stay. Second picture I want to give to you. Um, yesterday afternoon, I went out to my in-law's house. We had kind of our Easter celebration. Pastors don't really get to celebrate Easter on Sunday. We have to work. And so um, we celebrated yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. You know, we got done eating, and uh, I kind of had this thought. There was a, a little baseball bat a little wiffle ball bat and a little ball. And I'm like, I'm going to, you know, before we leave, I'm going to just go outside. I'm going to throw Jones. Jones is my two and a half year old boy. And the kid has amazing coordination. He gets it all from his mom. But, you know, you can just throw him a ball and literally two and he can hit it. And it's just incredible. And, and so I'm like, I'm going to go outside and just toss him the ball. Well, I walk out and um, I, the first person I see is Finley. And Finley's my little girl. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to throw the ball to Finley. Girls can play ball too, right? Right, girls? And so, you know, I get down. One, one person thinks girl, girls can play ball. And and so I, you know, she and I go over to kind of the part of the yard and she has her bat on her shoulder and I'm tossing her the ball. And, and then this just really interesting and fun thing happened where it started out just she and I playing ball. And then I kid you not, the, the whole family is, is playing wiffle ball. Before you know it, you know, um, sister-in-law's playing shortstop and Courtney's cousin's out in the outfield and their dad's playing and and I'm in there, and I'm throwing the ball to Finley, and then Jones gets up to bat. And then my sister-in-law, who played college softball, gets up, and she sings left-handed and hits far out, hits all of us. And it's not even her natural, you know, uh, side to hit from the plate from. And, and we just found ourselves just playing and having a blast. And what I realized is it was a lot of fun for just Finley and I to play, but it was, ho- it was so much more fun when the whole family played. And that's our hope for this morning. That for those of us who know God, like, it's not just this thing that we want to have just between us and God. We want everyone to play. We want you in the game. I'm going to give us a, a verse to kind of anchor us this morning. Luke 24, verse 46. And this is what Jesus says. He says, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. I want us to look at these two words, this idea of suffering and this idea of rising. 
I was struck a few weeks ago, this idea of suffering in my own kind of personal reading of the scriptures, in my own just kind of journeying with God by this passage in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 32 through 34. And you can go back and read this later. Don't turn there now. Well, you can. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can turn there now if you want. And, but we're, we're Jesus. You know, Jesus is the son of God. He's, he lived about 33 years on this life. And his last three years of life, he, he invited these 12 men and many other people, women and men, to, to go on this journey with him. But he had these 12 men, the 12 apostles that were kind of his boys, his best friends. And, and he's walking to Jerusalem and he, and he looks at these men and, and he says this to them in Mark chapter 10. He says, uh, we are going up to Jerusalem. This is the same Jerusalem that still exists in the Middle East today. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem. And I will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He says, I will be condemned to death. I will be handed over. I will be mocked. I will be spit on. I will be flogged. And I'll be killed. And three days later, I will rise. What struck me about that passage is that, is that Jesus knew what awaited him. And yet he still willingly stepped into it. You know, so think about this. If, if, if you were to tell me, hey, Brandon, today, when you leave worship, when you go home, the authorities are going to be waiting for you at your house. <clears throat> and when you get home, um, you're going to be arrested. <clears throat> they're really going to take you to prison tomorrow morning. You're going to wake up and you're going to be tried, put on trial. <clears throat> and for something you did not do, you will be condemned. Excuse me. I'm not getting choked up. I just had to cough. That was not for dramatic effect. They didn't want to cough in your ear. <clears throat> You'll be put in prison. And then later this week, you're going to be, um, you're going to receive capital punishment. And Brandon, all this awaits you. And you'll never see Courtney. You'll never see Finley and Jones and Merritt. You'll never preach another sermon. You'll never hang out with the people at church again. And I was wrestling with this. I was writing this in my, you know, my, my, my journal. I'm going, man, if, if I knew what awaited me, would I go home? No, I would stop short of Mount Juliet and I would get on a plane <laughs> and I would fly to Albuquerque or wherever it is that I'm, I'm just getting away from here. And what hit me about Jesus, and you can go on and you can read this in Luke 22 and 23, it shows us that, that everything that Jesus predicted would happen to him, it happened. He was arrested. He was handed over to the chief priest. He was unjustly put on trial. He was literally sentenced to death, not because he had done something wrong, but because the judge wanted to satisfy the people. And the people wanted him dead. Think about this. Jesus was mocked. He was spit on. You ever spit on someone? Someone ever spit on you before? He was tortured by, by beatings and whips. He was nailed to a cross. And his mom and several of his friends watched him die on a Friday afternoon on the cross. And the question that I'd like for us to think about this morning is why would he do it? What would compel this man to know the pain that awaited him? And yet to willingly step into it, to endure it. Luke 24, verse 46 says that he will suffer, but it doesn't stop there. It says that he will rise. And this is what we've come to, to celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus. 
I'm going to read some bigger passages of Scripture because I want us to just hear the story together as a family this morning. You're going to hear a lot of names. There are going to be a lot of things that are confusing, questions that arise, and, and those are all, okay, that's all good. I want you to think about it like this as we're reading through the text. You know, the, the first time that you sit down to watch a new TV show or you pick up a new book, you don't know everything there is to know about all the characters the first time you, you watch the show, right? No, the reality is that, that you learn a name and then over time you learn the story. So you watch Lost and you meet Jack and then you, then you meet Jack, right? Like, so don't be discouraged if you have questions, if you don't understand everything. But I want us to hear these words. So let's start in Luke 23, verse 44. If your mind starts to wander, that's okay. Just come back. Jesus is on the cross. Verse 44, it says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, one of the soldiers who was there, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this man was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breast and they went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to the decision and action to have him crucified. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, the judge, he asked for Jesus' body. Then Joseph took it down. He wrapped it in linen cloth, and he placed it in a tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, which is Friday, and the Sabbath, which is Saturday, was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and they saw the tomb and they saw how Jesus' body was laid in it. Then they went home and they prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath on Saturday in obedience to the commandment. Chapter 24, verse one says, on the first day of the week, on Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Imagine what they're feeling. They show up to the, to the grave site and the body is, 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 is not there. And there's two men. And can you imagine what you're thinking? These guys have done something to the body. They've stolen it. They've done something to it. They've dishonored him. And so the, in verse five, it says, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the son of man, that's Jesus, that's a nickname for himself. He must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. Keep going. Verse nine. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with him who told this to the apostles. Listen to this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Oh, that's a big chunk of scripture. Thanks for hanging with me. So Jesus dies on a Friday, early Sunday morning. Um, These women essentially are, are going to his tombstone to put flowers. That's essentially what they're doing. And they show up and he's not there. They're told that that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he is alive. And so instantly, they're not really sure what they believe, but they go and tell the apostles. 
And I love this, this verse that we, we get in the Bible. It says, but, but they did not believe. The apostles did not believe. If you come here today and, and you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe that he rose from the dead, or if you're confused about what you believe, I hope you hear this. hope you see this. There was a point in Jesus' best friend's life where they didn't believe either, where they were confused. And if you're confused, and if you have questions, and if you're having a hard time believing, you're in good company. Not just in the scriptures, in this family. Because the reality is that many of us, even followers of Jesus, are still doubting, still wrestling, still trying to make sense. Verse 13, let's go a little bit more. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, he asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find Jesus' body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are. Jesus literally said that, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah, that's a nickname for Jesus, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I love this. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. He pulled a Houdini. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, don't miss this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. I wanna point out a few things in this passage. What I appreciate about these two men walking on the road to Emmaus is their willingness to keep the conversation going. The persistence which they demonstrated, they didn't know it was Jesus walking with them. But here's what they didn't know. Their life had not turned out like they'd hoped. And many of you can relate to that. And they were confused. And many of you can relate to that. And they were sad, and many of you can relate to that. 
And this man comes along. Just imagine this. They're, they're walking like, to their hometown. We don't do very much walking in Nashville. Hopefully we will in the next few years. They're walking to their hometown. And this man walks up and he engages them in conversation. And he's willing and he wants to walk with them. He's curious about them, the things that, that's going on in their lives. Notice the beauty of Jesus. The simplicity of what he does. Ask them a question. They notice this man is willing and wanting to have a meaningful spiritual conversation. It's rooted in the scriptures. And I love that these men kept their ears open. They invited him to stay with them. There's so much in this story for, especially if you come here and you don't believe in Jesus yet. What I want to encourage you, if this is your story, if you don't follow Jesus, keep walking, keep living, keep the people in your life that, that do follow Jesus. Keep them in your life. Keep walking with them. If you come here and, and you're confused about Jesus and what you believe, keep people in your life who have a high view of Scripture and a high view of Jesus and I, who take very seriously this, the, the cost of following him. I go, I wonder how different this story would have turned out if the two men would have, in their unbelief, in their confusion, in their sadness, if they would have just let Jesus keep walking. What would have happened if they didn't invite him, urge him, want him to stay with them? I love the beauty of the scriptures. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's not exactly apples to apples. So you're not going to have a moment where, where your friend magically turns into Jesus. Like that's not going to happen for you. But I'll say this, if you will keep people in your life that do follow Jesus, if you're serious about wanting to know if this whole thing is real, if it's not man-made, if it's not made up, Jesus will work through your friends. And he will work through the people that walk with you. And Jesus will honor your persistence. And you will have a moment where your eyes will be opened. And you'll believe. Don't give up. I love the two men as soon as they understand, as soon as they realize that, that Jesus is no longer dead, but that he's alive. Did you notice what they do? It says that they make this seven mile journey back to Jerusalem. How long does it take to, to walk seven miles? Does anybody know? No one, no, none of us know that. 18 minute miles, 20 minute mile is a long time. And here's what's so crazy is that, that they had just come down this path. They had just come from Jerusalem. And as soon as they realize that Jesus is alive, they get right back on that road. They go right back into Jerusalem and they start to, to tell, they start to bear witness to Jesus. To who? Who do they start to, to bear witness to? Those who are struggling to believe. And I love this. In the midst of them bearing witness, who shows up? It's not a trick question. In the midst of, of them bearing witness, who shows up? Who appears? Jesus. Think about that for a moment. In the midst of them simply just bearing witness to those who are struggling to believe and who appears. Wow. This is going to be the last chunk of scripture that we read. Go down to verse 45. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the, the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands. I love this picture. And he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, Jesus left them. He was taken up into heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continuing at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord from Luke 24. What is a witness? It's not a trick question. Think about in a courtroom. A witness is simply someone who has seen something, experienced something, was present for something. And what does a witness do? They simply tell what they've seen and heard and experienced, right? As Christians, this is what he has for us to do. One of the things I love about my two oldest children, I love this about all my children, my youngest is not doing this yet. Everything I do, they, they want to help. When I'm mowing the yard, when I'm vacuuming the house, when I'm building something in the garage, Daddy, I help you. Dad, can I help? And I want you to hear this, that Jesus Christ pursues people, that Jesus Christ meets people where they are on the roads that they are on, that Jesus Christ meets people in their sadness and their confusion, and their unbelief, and he opens minds and he opens hearts and he turns people to the scriptures to help us believe. And he looks at us as Christians, as his followers, and he says, if you want in the game, if you want to help, share what you've seen and heard. You are my witnesses. And I hope this Easter morning, this glorious, beautiful Sunday morning as followers of Jesus, that childlike spirit that wants to help is awakened in us. Question I've been wrestling with all weekend is why in the world does it matter that Jesus suffered and died and rose from the dead? What does that really have to do with us 2,000 years later? Why is Easter such a big deal? It's interesting to me that Jesus ascended to heaven. It's interesting that the disciples experience Jesus very differently than you and I do. That the disciples' experience of Jesus is actually very different than the way that Christians have been experiencing him for the past 2,000 years. Think about this. Why didn't Jesus just stay on earth? If he really wanted us to believe, like if he really wanted us to believe, doesn't it make more sense that he would appear to us in the flesh just like he did to them? Right? What I've learned is that just because you see something, it doesn't mean you believe. One of my former neighbors, I told this story before, he's not a follower of Jesus. And I remember the very first time that I met him. Almost five years ago, I was in our front yard, I was mowing. It's like my happy place, <laughs> love to mow. Headphones in. And I see my neighbor walk out to his, his mailbox and and I just feel the Lord saying, you need to shut off the mower, pull out your headphones and go and talk to him. And I'm like, Lord, I'm in my happy place. And I've had a long week and I just, I'm going to keep mowing. Turn around, don't listen. And I look and, and my neighbor is just lingering around his mailbox. And the Lord's like, you're going to talk to him. <laughs> go over to him, shut off the mower, take off my headphones. We start talking. I introduce myself, tell him that, 
I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then he proceeds to tell me that he didn't believe in God. He tells me all the reasons why he doesn't. And I'm like, this is just fun, God. Thank you for you know, letting me get off the mower for this. And then this crazy things happen that, that he and I actually become friends. He would begin to come over to our house at night. We'd sit on the back patio. And I would just tell him about why I believed in God. I'd tell him about all my experiences with God. And he would look at me every time and he would say, yeah, Brandon, but, but you're a good person. Like, God loves you because you're nice and you smile a lot. <laughs> and I would always be like, dude, talk to my wife. <laughs> she knows the real me. Like, and I would tell him the things that I struggle with and my sins. I remember one Monday night, it was raining about eight o'clock, we had some people over from church. We were eating dinner and my doorbell rings and I, I walked to the door and it's my neighbor. And he and his dad were going out of town um, and he asked me if I could get the mail for him. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to get your mail. And, and he's just kind of lingering. I'm like, maybe that's just the posture of his life. He's just kind of a lingerer. I don't know. Like, and, <laughs> and I could tell that he had something that he wanted to say. And, and then he, he went on to say this. I kid you not. This is what he said to me. He said, I do not believe in God, but I believe if there is a God, I think he's put you and your wife next door to help us believe in him. He said, I don't think it's a coincidence that I've been asking God to show himself, to prove himself. And then a preacher buys a house next door. <laughs> My friend moved away a couple years ago. I was so discouraged. I was hoping he'd become a Christian. I shared everything I knew how to share. I bore a witness to Jesus. He's still not a believer yet, but here's what's cool. It's not up to me. He doesn't call us to be effective. He calls us to be faithful, bear witness, to proclaim, to make much of it. You know, my neighbor did. I talked to him. He'd moved to a different city. He called me and he's like, yeah. He said, I figured it'd be a good idea to, to find someone in my life that knew God. And so I just, I walked down the street and I knocked on the church's door and I found the preacher and he and I are going to, you're going to keep talking about the things you and I used to talk about. I'm like, Okay. I tell you this story for a couple of reasons. For Christians, just share. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and His leading. You are filled with the Spirit. When He leads you, when He prompts you, just be a witness. And it doesn't have to be polished, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but just proclaim. Don't be afraid. The Scriptures tell us that it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our what? testimony. It's not just the blood of the lamb. Word of our testimony. I believe that Jesus Christ is alive. And I haven't always believed that. And I still go through seasons of questioning. And I'll continue to go through those. That's just a part of what it means to be a human being. But when I really think about all the ways that God has worked in my life, when I think about the way that God has comforted me through my parents' divorce over the past 12 years. When I think about all the ways that God has so clearly spoken into my life. Clearly spoken. He speaks. He's not mute. When I think about how sinful I've been. And how in the midst of my sin and my hard-heartedness and my arrogance and my pride and my foolishness and my lust. 
and my jealousy and my gossip and my greed, the fact that God is still drawn near to me, that God has comforted me, that God has spoken to me. And what I found in this life is all I want is just to help him. Like my kids, I, I just want to help God. I don't want to just work a job. I don't want to just be a nice person. I want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. And he has told me to be his witness. And I will. I will give my life to telling this world that he is real and powerful and good. And his heart is so full of love for sinful people. And if you're a Christian, I hope this Easter Sunday, your heart is awakened to the call just to witness. If you're not a follower of Jesus, my invitation to you, Jesus' invitation, the scripture's invitation to you is one of faith. To see the ways that God is working in your life. To think about your neighbors and your coworkers and your family and to think hard and to think well about if God has maybe put them in your life to help you believe. Maybe the answer to your prayers is living next door. Jesus isn't just for other people. If you're not a follower of Jesus, Jesus is for you. And you know why he suffered? You want to know why he rose again? For you. For you, Megan, and you, Burton. He suffered for us. Every one of us. I don't know why he suffered the way that he did. But I know that he rose because every single one of us are sinful and forgetful and weak and arrogant and prideful and lustful and gossipful. And he died so that we can die to those things. So those things can be a part of who we were, not a part of who we are. So we could live a new life. Forgiven, free, alive with a job to do. And I love that Jesus says, just, just repent. Literally just turn from the life you're living and come to me. Reality is when I became a Christian, I wasn't just convicted over how terrible a person I was. Like that's not my story becoming a Christian. The reason I became a Christian is because I realized that Jesus was real and he loved me and I wanted to know him. And this is your story this morning. If you want to know him, you want to know his heart for you, you want to know if he's real, I invite you to devote your life to him. To become a Christian. To walk with him, to serve him. To get in the game and play. To grab the bat, step up to the plate. To play with the family. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. If you want to talk or pray, if you have questions, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can do all those things. The train is saying amen. You need to know that. There'll be some men and women at the back that respond banner. We would love to talk and pray and help however we can. For those of us who are Christians, the rest of us, we're going to take communion. We do this every week. We take a piece of bread and a cup of juice that's scattered all over the room. We're going to stand up in just a minute. We're going to eat the bread. We're going to drink the juice. And the reason we do this is because Jesus told us to. He said, eat the bread, drink the juice, remember me. So we're just trying to be faithful to what he's told us to do. And so as we take communion, I invite you to do this with the people you can't. That train is so annoying. And 
I invite you as you take communion, you can take it by yourself if you don't feel comfortable. I really invite you to take it with, with some people that you came with. And just to answer these questions as you're thinking about Jesus, what stood out to you, what connected your life from the scriptures from this morning? It's the first question. The second question is this. What do you think that means for you? What stood out to you? What does it mean for you? Let me pray. I've talked long enough. God, thank you for today. We just invite you, God, to, to open our hearts. We give you all the glory. You're amazing, God. You're so patient and faithful. Pray that as we break the bread, that our eyes will be open, our hearts will be receptive. I pray that your spirit would just move freely in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.